Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we wrap up 2 Timothy with chapter 4. It reads, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Dear best to come to me soon, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Vanessaphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Puddins and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. As we focus in here on Paul's conclusion to Timothy in the second letter that he's written to him, I'd love for us to focus in on verse 5 as our challenge for today, as well as the nugget of truth that we hope to glean from to anchor our faith. It says there, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. As we reflect on what Paul has challenged Timothy to do here, he says, hey, the world is changing. There are so many things that are going on. The ministry around him is changing as people are trying to, to twist the truth of the gospel for their own means. There's many things that are happening in what he called in the last chapter, these last days. But he says to Timothy, There are things that you can do. There are mindsets that you can carry. There are advances that you can push forward to, to fulfill what God is challenging you to do in this midst. And verse 5 gives us clarity on what Timothy is to devote himself to. While it's certainly true that Paul is giving this charge to Timothy, who is an overseer over a church, it is not specifically asking for anything of him that we would not see other places in the scriptures asked of general believers. So we use this as an opportunity to stir up by way of reminder to give us clarity and purpose today from the scriptures on how we're to act if we find ourselves, which I believe we do, in a similar situation that Timothy is in where the laws around him are probably allowing for more than what God's law allows for. And the people around him are taking what is true, twisting it for their own gain. We see this as a similar situation for us today. And so the call of Timothy in this chapter is the same call for us. It says, be sober-minded. 
first. That means have clarity of thought. Don't have clouded judgment. Allow it to be that you understand what's going on around you and can see with precision and understanding what's taking place. He secondly says, endure suffering. He told us in the last chapter that all who seek to follow God will suffer for what takes place. So endure that suffering. He's given some specific ways in which he's to do that here in this book and in our last book as well, how he's supposed to deal with the false teachers that are around him, how he's supposed to interact with them. But here generally he says, hey, just endure suffering because as we do so, we experience a commonality with Christ who also unjustly suffered many times more what we will ever experience as he took the penalty for our sins. And so as we suffer unjustly, we experience in a small way the glories of Christ and what it means to be putting ourselves into a situation where we exhibit Christ-like character for others. The next part is do the work of an evangelist. And while certainly this word evangelist is referring to an office in the church of a person who would go and would evangelize, take the good news, the gospel to new places, he doesn't call us to be an evangelist, but he says, do the work of an evangelist. Take the gospel with you wherever you go. Some people have said that every Christian is a missionary charged with the task of taking the gospel everywhere their feet carry them. That's the sense that this verse gives us. Wherever you go where the gospel is not known, that is the place you are to take it. He also then wraps it up by saying, fulfill your ministry. And while certainly the ministry of Timothy is a specific ministry in a location that was for his time and day, we're each called to have a ministry as a part of the body of Christ. Fulfill that ministry. Seek to be the good servant who's described in verses 6 and 7. Here is Paul reflects on his pathway in fulfilling his ministry as he reflects on the goodness of God and the reward that awaits him for his faithfulness through suffering and the many trials and tribulations that he's had in serving the Lord. And so as you reflect on that today, I pray that that would be something that would encourage you who find yourself in a similar situation to Timothy to press on and pursue righteousness in a day and age that does not, to seek the goodness and faithfulness of God to be present and minister to you in your time of need as you seek to be faithful to the calling that he's given you, to be the individual he has placed in your specific sphere of influence for the expansion of the gospel, to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied for his glory, as that is the ministry that he has placed you in. As far as a question from this passage, verse 16 brings up something that I'd like for us to look at a little bit more. It says, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. What is this first defense that he's speaking of? Was it one of them that we have recorded in the book of Acts, or is it another type of defense that's going on? I believe that the context here and what's taking place allow us to understand that it's not something that we have recorded in Scripture already, but this is in fact a new trial that Paul is undertaking. The Roman system of courts would have a two-part process. At the first part, they would come and basically it would be like an arraignment or a way in which they would bring the charges forward and decide if they were going to move forward with that case. In that time, Paul used that as an opportunity to give the message of the gospel to the Gentiles who were around there. In that process, it allowed him to be able to preach and proclaim the gospel to them in this hostile situation that God strengthened and delivered him from, despite the fact that nobody else stood with him in that. And so as we look at that specific understanding of what's taking place, that reads back into what's happening here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 well. 
he gives all of these reasons for the different individuals in the first few verses before this for why they're not with him. Some of them have legitimate reasons. Some of them have just left him. But either way, he's left there by himself, making a stand before the Roman government. Yet he wants Timothy to know that God strengthened and stood with him and allowed him to move forward with what he was trying to do for the sake of the gospel in that area. And so that should be an encouragement to Timothy, who probably feels like he's alone, probably feels like he's ministering by himself, surrounded by these false teachers. It's an example of Paul's steadfastness under trial and is an opportunity for Timothy to be able to look at what Paul has done and imitate that in his own life. And so we do not see what takes place at the next trial or if this defense moves forward to needing a second trial for what's taking place. What we do understand is that this is given as an opportunity for Timothy to draw on the strength of Paul, who withstood the hardships, withstood the trials for the sake of the gospel, knowing that his reward awaits him in heaven, even if he never sees it here on earth. So maybe that was your question. Maybe your question is about one of these other individuals that are mentioned here. We can do a lot of studying on some of them, but some of them, there are very few other things written, as we've already referred to in this podcast. But whatever it is that you're curious about, allow that curiosity to fuel your hunger for understanding God's Word in a greater sense. Dive into the Scriptures. Seek out a greater understanding of what God is doing as He reveals Himself to you, as He molds and shapes you to be a useful messenger for His kingdom. Know today you are loved. You're-